other people may have kids, they've married and all that kind of stuff. Maybe you haven't, but maybe you're further along in your career, you're really happy with the hobbies that you're doing or something like that. Welcome to the Slow Down Time Podcast. I'm Van Anne, a second generation Vietnamese Australian on my journey away from being the busy and stressed out primary school teacher into a slower, more present version of myself. This podcast is here to help you rediscover what it is you want and to begin letting go of cultural pressure to rush through life. Yes, you'll question your identity, your life decisions, and begin trusting yourself to fully live with intention. I'm so excited to be your host and to walk you through this journey. Let's get into the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I've got two brand new guests. And if you've heard us on Instagram before or seen some collaborative videos and content, then you might be familiar with Sam and Amelia from Ask the Duo. So introduce yourselves, you guys. Hello. Hello, I'm Sam. And I'm Amelia. <laughs> We're just doing our podcast intro. Uh, yeah. uh, well, did you want me to start first? No, you can go first, yeah. Yeah, so on my day-to-day, I'm actually a UI designer uh, with a graphic design background, but we also have a podcast ourselves called Ask the Joy, and it's about building better mindsets and with that, it builds better relationships, whether that's with yourself or with those around you. Yeah, so uh, I am a mobile banker, so I work at a big four bank uh, day by day. So generally, I do more than 10 hours every single day. Uh, and after hours, it's working on the podcast. So on our spare time, that's when we do everything related to Ask the Duo. <laughs> so yeah you guys are amazing <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank how you. you do all this and balance everything and actually enjoy what you're doing as well yeah it's a lot of time management time scheduling which is something we had to continue to learn along the way but it's it's working <laughs> it <now>. is <laughs> and let me just say that your planning and organization skills are on point <laughs> Thank you. Thank it's you. the past paralegal and the settlement clerk. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, working in a law firm teaches you everything. Yeah, that's really cool. And how you've applied that to your own podcast and, yeah, just doing everything to help other people outside of your day job, it's awesome. So what's your background and how did your parents come to Australia? You first. Okay. So I'll start with my parents. So my mum was actually a migrant. So she was actually sponsored by a Australian family in 1976 to basically come over to Australia to study and live with one of her cousins. So she came here to study, I think it was floristry English at the time and typewriting back in the days, which is a really, yeah, really, really strange. What a strange mix. Yeah, yeah, she yeah, so yeah, that's what she was studying. Uh, and my dad was actually an immigrant, so he came over refugee, nineteen seventy six, uh, by boat. His story is so funny. <laughs> it's a really, really strange one. So briefly, with with dad, so he was actually over in Vietnam. He was playing on a boat, so he he randomly stumbled on a boat and he was just chilling on it, playing, checking it out. 
failed to realise that the boat actually left and was actually set sailing uh, to, to Singapore as a refugee like camp. Oh, wow. Basically, he was by himself, so he was yeah quite lonely. He had no one, and he formed a really good relationship with a, an elderly like lady who basically took him on board as like a stepson. And because she did that, he was actually able to come to Australia to to live. Because if he didn't, he would have had to go to Canada, I believe, to be part of that refugee camp over there. And, yeah, ever since then, he came to Brisbane. That's when he basically met mum and, yeah, sky's the limit. <laughs> what a happy mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, what are the – so random that he's just, like, running around. Yeah. It's like, oh, let's just, like, chill on this boat for a bit. It's like, oh, crap. We're, like, in the middle of nowhere. Where am I going? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so how did his family re- respond? Like, what do they do? Like, so from my understanding, they obviously thought he went missing. Mm. And, yeah, he basically knew nothing about Australia, no, no English. He was forced to basically learn through reading newspapers and just learning a whole new culture. So it would have been pretty scary for him. And, yeah, he had to work, build his skills and try to make some sort of contact back home. But, yeah, I would assume his family would have been scared as hell because he would have been missing for a few few years. Mm-hmm. So my mum is actually half Chinese, half Thai. So she was actually full born in Thailand, but her dad is actually half Chinese. And her mum's, like, full, full Thai. So... She's half Thai, half Chinese. My dad is actually half Vietnamese, half uh, Chinese. Mm. So I've got this three-part in my blood where I'm basically half Chinese, quarter Thai, quarter Vietnamese. That makes sense, though. They're all around the same area, but the funny thing is how they met in Australia, right? Okay, so do you want to know the story of how they met? (laughs) Sure. Okay, so apparently my mum used to go to a Chinese takeaway shop north of Brisbane, and apparently at the time in the 70s, they didn't have that many Chinese or just Asian cuisines that are takeaway or just dine-in in, in general. So this is, there was a, only a Chinese takeaway shop at the time, and mum used to go there and get food. And apparently my dad actually was working there as a like a part-time cook or restaurant person or something like that. And Somehow they met each like met each other there, bumped into each other, and somehow they formed a really good connection. They were talking in their own language. in their own language <laughs> because I would assume mum and dad had like little to no English, but my mum said that apparently they could communicate. They just knew like to communicate in some way or form, and I was like, okay, that's really cool. Like just yeah. to listen to other people's stories where they're quite similar, where they don't have the same language, but they can somehow communicate and form a connection. Yeah, the energy that that mm, they give yeah. out, right? Yeah, and that's when it all started, I guess. So cute. <laughs> you got a funny story. You got a cute story. <laughs> yeah, that's the highlight. Mine's <laughs> mine's a bit different. So my so big background my parents are not together anymore but that my mom she's from hong kong and how she came over actually both my parents the way that they came over they were actually invited to come over to australia to work as in their parents 
So my granddad, which is my dad's mom, he's a really good architecture and apparently Australians really wanted his skill set and mm. invited him to come over to work. Oh, wow. Yeah, so he came over, I tried that out and my mom came over as well with him and I think she was three or four at the time. So that was her journey. She did go back to Hong Kong for a little bit and then come back. So she travelled back and forth for a little bit because my granddad was just trying to find his feet because apparently back in the, I think it was 70s. No, 60s, wasn't it? 60s. It was hard for any Asians to develop a career, like to move up in the career line because one, you're Asian, they're like... There's a lot of racism back then. Yeah, Yeah. there was a lot of racism. My mom actually experienced quite a bit of racism too. And, yeah, he was good at what he was doing, but people just didn't give him the opportunity to move up. So he went back to Hong Kong and just built his own firm and, yeah, it went pretty well. So he moved back, but my mom, I think during uni or high school, she moved back to Australia by herself and Mm -hmm. she lived with her auntie at the time. So that was the second time she came back and just had to build a whole new life here. And then my dad... Similar situation, so both his parents were invited to come over because they were really good at Chinese medicine and that was a really interesting and like kind of sought out skill at the time and people were like, yeah, let's have you come over and I guess work with some people who are willing to adapt some Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine into their work as well. So they got invited to come over and do that. So that was really interesting. And, yeah, my dad came over. He's a twin brother. And they came over and studied high school, I think, and uni in Gold Coast. So Mm. just an hour away from Brisbane. Yeah, wow. Both stories are so different. Yeah, very (laughs) different. (laughs) But I think similar things. Like the way that they, my parents met as well was similar where they just went somewhere. I think it was either a casino or a restaurant. And then just start talking and met up. <laughs> yeah. I think your story is quite unique, though. Your parents' stories, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, because I haven't heard that. It's yeah. different, isn't it? I actually yeah. didn't know. I think what was good about you approaching us with this topic and this conversation was that because the background about me and my family, we don't talk about these deep conversations. We don't have like DNMs and things like that. So it prompted me to ask them and really get mm. their background. Like I knew little bits, like just like the general gist of things, but I didn't know like every little finer detail. So we appreciate you asking us because we actually got to understand fully how they came over, some of the struggles that they went through and, yeah, just understanding like the, the journey coming to Australia. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you had the opportunity to – connect with that side of your family and just understand their experiences a bit better. Well, thanks for sharing you guys, uh, because that leads into the next part, which is, well, the main topic of today, which is about relationships and a lot of our relationships and how we interact with others now is based on our childhood and how we interacted and saw people model those behaviors for us since we were young like especially our parents and even my parents, they're not together right now as well. But we've learned a lot, well, I've learned a lot from what they've showed me when I was growing up. So as a kid, what were your perceptions or expectations of a romantic relationship? 
quite short. It was non-existent because my parents broke up when I was extremely young. I don't think I was even one years old. They broke up already. So all my life growing up, I've lived with separate parents. But I did grow up um, with my stepmom and my dad in Canberra for a little bit. So my first 12 years, I lived with them there. And, yeah, we had a similar topic we that on our podcast as well that explains this as well, talking about how upbringing influences how we find relationships. And in that, we were talking about how it's more, for me, it was more learning what I don't like. It wasn't learning what I can see and, like, yeah, that's what I want in a relationship too. It's just learning about all these things that happened and how they interact with each other, and that taught me things. Like, it wasn't conscious thoughts it was just subconsciously over time I'm like that's not the type of relationship I want to build with people and if mm-hmm. I was to find a partner that's not how I would want a relationship to be and I'm like surely there's something better out there and that's sort of how it formed over time and it was more in my more like early 20s that's when I started to understand and think about those things yeah I think there's at the end part of the story which we'll touch on later right because <laughs> both of you are sitting together so yeah yeah so for me I think I never really yeah I never really thought about relationships until maybe my early 20s to be honest Uh, and with my family dynamic we were always very transparent with each other or we tried to be right so we would always communicate just be you know just tell it as it is and be upfront when it comes to communication, I guess. And yeah, like seeing my family dynamic, it, I, I guess in an earlier age, it never really taught me anything about relationships. It was kind of just like, okay, just be genuine, just talk to each other. And yeah, everyone's the same basically. And until it was my early 20s, that's when I started to, you know, dabble into relationships. You know, you have a girl here, relationship here and what, whatnot. And you figure out, like, what you like. But there was always those certain things that are always kept as part of my relationships, the things that I always wanted to tick off that box. And, yeah, that's how it always was. And you also said your sister also taught you some stuff too. Yeah, and it was good that I had an older sister. So an older sister who's nine years older than me. So she taught me a lot about just girls when I was a kid. So she used to always DNM with me, force me oh. to sit there and, and listen to her. Five year old little kid <laughs> that's listening to life problems. Yeah, she actually used to do that. Like we because we used to sleep in the same room and she used to just wake me up, Oi, I have a freaking boyfriend issue. Talk to me. I'm like, What? <laughs> and I'm like this little kid and I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but okay, I'll just <laughs> listen to you. Like, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, she taught me so much about girls, just how they behave, the things that they go through, the cycles, and, yeah, ultimately made me understand what females expected or what they were like during that teenage period and even in the early 20s. So when it came to my turn, I had a rough idea as to what I was dealing with or getting myself into. So that was actually really, yeah, really handy, even though it was indirect teaching. That's really interesting that you had those kind of conversations with your older sister. Yeah. Yeah. Because I find that a lot of relationship topics, especially among siblings or just in among Asian families, it's not really discussed. 
you might talk about it with your friends or you might talk about it, you know, on a surface level. But to hear you going through that and learning some things from your sister, like that's just vital information that would have been helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I think his family dynamic is very different from what you would see as a typical Asian family, which is why I really appreciate his family. They really are open, like very, it's not just being open, they're very honest, very direct. So it's like, it's confrontational, but it's not like you're not doing this or blah, blah. It's like, hey, let's chat. Like, this is what's happening. I'm not feeling a certain way. Let's talk about it. Can we, you know, do something about it? And I like that they're like that. It's very different from exactly my family. No one talks about anything. If there's a problem, it's either arguments, lash out, and then mm. sleep under the rug next day, you move on. That's pretty much it. So yeah. it's not really talking and going through and solving things and really getting to the deeper part of the problem. Yeah, so communication is really open. Mm. Yeah. And respected and valued too, not yeah. just we're yeah. chatting about it for the purpose of solving this, but the purpose is to like better understand the situation. Yeah. Yeah. So I resonate more with what <laughs> what Amelia was saying about <laughs> families. Yeah. When I was a kid, the main relationship that you see is like your parents or like your uncles and aunties, like the couples, right? And the way I saw it was that they just were together, like maybe for the sake of it or like at one point there might have been a lot more appreciation for each other. But then after many years together, it's kind of just just there. Yeah, I was going to say it's like colleagues, like colleagues that's just working yeah. together. Like because, you get along yeah, and you have a common goal, which is like to support the family. Mm. That's what it seems like or what it seemed like when I was young. And my parents would like, you know, they would argue every once in a while, but ultimately they kept that like to themselves, like the adult problems and the kids were kind of kept out of it because they wanted to save us from the worry and the stress. But they did a lot of things for the family and that was their relationship. That's what I saw. So I thought that relationships were, okay, you have to take care of each other, do so much, go above and beyond and make sure that you're doing all the housework and then you go to work and you're doing the gardening and whatever, like take care of the house, take care of the kids, make sure everybody's fed. More acts of service in a way. Uh, definitely. It wasn't really like the the conversations and making sure that everybody was mentally well. Did you see many, like, many occasions where it's more like physical, like maybe a hug or something or none of that? Not really. Yeah. Same. And if, if they did, it was more like a joke. They made it seem more like a joke, like it's part of just a fun time for like two seconds and then like, oh, back to themselves. Yeah. Yeah, exactly the same, except there was no separation between arguments and like family. We saw it all. Uh, sometimes probably. <laughs> they, they, the kids just, you know, are around and they're just having a conversation. It gets heated. Yeah, and the other aspect of that was – when I was a bit older and I started watching like K-dramas. <laughs> <laughs> As we all do. Uh. <laughs> but those expectations were, yeah, it was seeing like the contrast between, I mean, K-dramas are still Asian, but the contrast between like Western dramas and TV shows and movies compared to K-dramas compared to real life, they were also different. Yeah. And in K-dramas and like rom-coms, it was kind of this sweet kind of love, which I never saw at home. So 
it was just so different and I had these unrealistic expectations of what love looked like. It's very glamorized. Mm. The thing is they they showcase what you want to see, but yeah. that's not what real life looks like. Yeah. yeah. Well, I it could. <laughs> the most extreme is like things where either the sad or the, you know, ran off and sat by themselves and magically the boyfriend or the guy that they're like would just know where you are and just like <laughs> arrive and be like, oh, yes. hold an umbrella above you and be like, I'll take care of you. <laughs> and you're like, no. And the music happen. and the slow mo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then the umbrella drops and floats away. <laughs> and they magically hug and kiss. <laughs> Those portrayals of love and what a romantic partner is supposed to be like was not what I ever saw in real life. Mm. So, did you grow any expectations from that watching Korean dramas? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> This is what Raymond should be like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I was the same. K-drama did form some sort of expectation. I wouldn't say expectations where it needs to be like this, but mm-hmm. it gave me hope to be like, oh, maybe a relationship could actually be better than what I can see in real life, like out of arguments, out of just working hard and just, you know, just living day by day. Like there is some sort of actual romance out of being a couple or, you know, finding love. So I think that was what it taught me or opened my eyes to a different perception of romance. Yeah, so following on from our expectations, um, what were you looking for in a partner? Were there any deal breakers or non-negotiables? Um, you know, like similar to what Sam was saying before, when I was younger or even in my early 20s, I really wasn't looking for a partner only because of the things that I've seen and it wasn't a priority for me. But when I do go into thinking deeper into what I wanted or what I don't wanted, it was more, again, what I don't wanted and seeing things like being rude or just arguing, like arcing up over no reason. Like to me, I'm like, that's the most useless thing ever. And like not just in love relationships, any relationships, just firing mm-hmm. up for no reason. You're not going to solve anything. So that's like a big no for me. And something that's, like, for me, it's, like, a personal thing. I hate it when you ask about something or you just want to get a deeper understanding. Like, you really just want to – I ask a lot of questions. I'm very curious. I want to get to know someone. And you ask the same question and I was, like, oh, don't worry about it or, like, don't Mm -hmm. worry, you'll find out. And I hate that. Like, that's, like, the biggest thing that I hate. I'm, like, I just want to get to know you, like – why are you trying to like push me away and like not to continue the conversation? So that's mm. something that I don't like. And Sam's pretty much my one and only longest relationship. Like before that, it wasn't really, there wasn't really other relationships. I had like one really short one. So I don't have many things to go off, but I think learning from him is just that seeing his family and just how he communicates in terms of actually being confrontational because coming from a non-confrontational atmosphere Mm. I really appreciated it like I wasn't scared from him just being straightforward and just telling me these things I actually was like wow this is actually really good because he didn't come in a way where it was those arcing up kind of thing it's just like hey this is not working or hey I don't like what happened here let's talk about it and it opened up a very 
soft opening for me to also open up my feelings and be like, okay, yeah, I can understand where you're coming from, but this is what I was seeing or this is how I was feeling. And it just, I learned a lot from that explicitly, just the way that he was confrontational. Mm. What great compliments. Yeah. <laughs> He's melting away. <laughs> Damn. Okay. You're like, mm-hmm. are you going to say some good stuff about her? <laughs> I'm waiting. <laughs> I expect a long scroll. Jeez. Oh, okay. So for me, early 20s, I had really only two deal breakers and that still applied to, you know, throughout my whole life. One was... I valued people who I could just sit there and talk, just talk I with someone. I think substance. you found the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If yeah. you're still questioning, <laughs> that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, and like, yeah, I've, I've had many relationships where, you know, you, you would sit there and you talk and there's just nothing. And, you know, you, you just. Like no feedback. Just no feedback. And like one word and answers. Yeah, and, and I, I think, like, I haven't. Like, I haven't dated that much. I've had different kinds of culture experiences. But, yeah, like, that was the one thing I always said, okay, if we can't have a conversation, not just about, hey, what are you doing today? Like, more and deeper than that, then I I can't be with someone like that. Uh, So that was one of the biggest deal breaks for me. Talk with substance. But how did you figure that out, though? As a deal breaker. So how I figured that out, well, that was just through various relationships, dating different people when it's just like, okay, sure, you could have the prettiest girlfriend in the world, you could have so much fun with them and whatnot, but that's only a short-term thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And every time I went into a relationship, I always wanted something that was long-term. Like I was saying, my sister taught me so much where I had to think of things like it's long-term. Uh, so as you're dating different girls, you have conversations with them and, you know, you just, you just don't have that connection. So that's how I figured it. That was a massive deal breaker for me. I think outside of that, it's the transparency to be able to be transparent and just tell things as it is. A lot of people are afraid of confrontation, but it's not confrontation in a fact of, Hey, you're a, you're an asshole for doing this, you know what I mean? It's just like being able to put things on the table and let's just talk about it. Mm. It's very hard to find people who can do that. Yeah. And that's how I, yeah, we started basically dating. And the thing about our relationship is we actually were really good friends before even dating. Mm. So there was a number of years where I'd see her, I'd hang out with her, and that's how I figured out how she was. Basically, yeah, got together. That's that's pretty much how it works. <laughs> no, but I think that's the beauty of like the relationships relationships that form from friendships because you get an understanding of who they are as a person, mm-hmm. not just thinking, oh, I want to get this girl, I want to get this guy, and then getting to know them that way. I think we've reversed it. We knew each other and just got to know each other as we are individually, and then you know those small little personality traits, and then when we got together, you understand a bit more, and then now you try to find the things that you really like or you really don't like and just to continue to grow on that, and it really helped us. 
Mm. Yeah, I think that that most definitely helped us because I was surrounded around people who always predominantly focused on looks. Mm. So it's like, oh, yeah, this hot chick, I'm going to get her. It's like, yeah, okay, sure, you get her, but what's in it? Like, is it just a fling thing or what are you you trying to get out of it? Mm. And most of the guys that I knew who did that, they didn't last because it was just for the thing like you know what I mean? it's a fling thing or it's just a short-term thing or they figure out yeah, they don't work or they fight a lot and mm. it's just like well there's your answer you've got to take yeah. the, your time to figure out the that connection and, and build that connection mm-hmm. mm, I think it's the intention of us walking into the relationship or having an open mind to this relationship and expecting like a long-term like something to last not just a temporary thing. And yeah, I know yeah. all of us, we, ha- we have a podcast for a reason. We value like conversations and deeper conversations, not just what you do today. Because mm. anyone can have this conversation. I can have this conversation with a colleague. Yeah. Like, but that's not someone, you know, I would want to be in a romantic relationship with. Well, I can agree with you guys. I don't have much of a history with dating as well. Like Raymond's my first and only. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, Part of that was because I, like, because of some of those expectations I had and because I wanted a long-term relationship and you can kind of see people as they are, the way they interact with other people. You can kind of see like, can I trust this person? Can I communicate with this person? Do we have similar values? And I'm just curious about how you approach that because I know like Amelia, you mentioned before that you didn't have many relationships partially because of your family and could be other reasons. And um, yeah, feel free to share about, about why we didn't get into relationships. Yeah, there was really nothing. Like I just, it just wasn't a priority. It wasn't anything that I was looking for. And I think because just generally Asian parents, I don't know if it's the same with you, they don't talk about relationships and if there's anything about relationships is kind of like covered. So it's like you don't know what you don't know and I don't know anything about finding a partner and it wasn't a thing and it was just out of out of sight, out of mind. So even when I was when I moved up here in Brisbane, my mum's a lot more lenient, but it's still nothing not something that we talk about. Like my mum's not like, Hey, like did you meet any new guys in school or something like that? It wasn't like that. And even though I was exposed to the first high school I went to, I was exposed to a lot more like Australian people who, you know, in high school it's all about dating, like getting with yeah. a guy and things like that. I was just not interested and I literally just was not thinking about it even though I was exposed to it. It just kind of like flew over my head and I was just doing my own thing. So in terms of just looking for a partner and finding all that kind of stuff, I think it was just mine was more opposite. It's like because I wasn't looking I was way more open to whatever happens, happens. And, you know, if I did form a relationship, because I do have a lot of friendships with guys and I just like that because they're very straightforward and I think that's the thing that I subconsciously just like, form Mm. towards and just having conversations with that. And over time I think I just picked up on some of that stuff and then over time you build a relationship with us and someone like for example Sam like just had that friendship and it just built over time so I think it for me forming a relationship it was from 
what I wasn't looking for. I was just doing my own thing and naturally things just happen and you just build a really good relationship and friendship out of something and that's what happened. I think that's what a lot of people hope for, for the people who are single and they're looking for someone. That's the best way. They're hoping for like a friendship to naturally develop into something romantic or something a bit more. I think it's just rather than looking in the lens where it's like I need to find a boyfriend, I need to find a partner, it's just literally you just doing you, you living your day and someone that you may already know that could be your friend or maybe someone that you pass at the same cafe every single time you go, you see him all the time or something like that. Every time it could build into something, maybe just build a connection with that person. I think for people who are feeling that pressure from external sources, it's hard to not be looking for someone. Yeah. But when you're younger and you meet someone just by chance, it's great. And you're hoping for that to happen when you're a bit older as well. Like maybe if I just put myself out there a little bit but not be like desperate, yeah. then maybe you'll find someone. But it's not that easy. <laughs> that was kind of what we were going to talk about too, right, the pressures and what we were going to say about the pressures is that you really do have to get yourself out there that's the only way to really meet people because we do have quite a few friends or quite a lot of friends around that actually aren't dating and we're just thinking like it's not something that they asked us but we're just thinking in their shoes and it's like how would we find someone or if we weren't together anymore just saying that as a hypothetical thing like what would we do at this time because when you get to your late 20s 30s you kind of have a job and your time is just becoming less and less available right so it's like how do you get yourself out there how do you meet people and to me I think as hard as it is you really do just have to get yourself out there to meet people like network or find a hobby and meet some people in that hobby or something like that to be able to meet someone but in terms of the pressure like social pressure for me personally I do not care about that I'm just like (laughs) That's what someone is putting the expectations on you and you should not stress over something that, you know, they're trying to put on you because this is your life, not theirs. Mm-hmm. Love that advice. Sam, you were smiling as she was talking about <laughs> hypothetical situation. Always laughing. Yeah, I always laugh at those situations or hypothetical questions. Uh, I, yeah, 100% agree with what Millie said. So I would echo what she said. So when it comes to, like, feeling pressure... I know heaps of friends who are, you know, maybe 30s and they're like, shit, I have no girlfriend or I, you know, have nothing. And it's just like you've got to understand that, yes, time is sensitive. Yeah, time is hard to buy. You can't buy anything for time. It's hard to buy. (laughs) (laughs) This was in one of your previous episodes, right? Yeah. Yeah. What are you talking about? (laughs) So, time is a valuable resource. Yes, time is a valuable resource. So understanding that you've got commitments and stuff like that, but you've got to really expose yourself to really network. Mm-hmm. You've got to put yourself in un- uncomfortable situations to be vulnerable at times. And I see it as a two, was it uh, kill two birds with one stone kind of thing mm-hmm. where you're basically, you're developing yourself. Mm-hmm. You're going you're gonna to develop yourself as an individual but at the same time, you're going to meet so many different people. 
And when you meet so many different people, you could potentially form a connection. So the pressures, you know, the, the, the pool of fish out there is endless, you know what I mean? So you've just got to really put yourself out there and 100% you will find someone. And that does fall back on pressure too. So like maybe your, your social peer pressures, friends getting married, having kids, your parents, you know, forcing and whatnot. And you're living your own life. So stuff them, like, you know, you do you kind of thing. Yeah, and everyone has their own timeline, like maybe. I was thinking the exact sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all aligned because it's, yeah, like other people may have kids, they've married and all that kind of stuff, maybe you haven't, but maybe you're further along in your career, you're really happy with the hobbies that you're doing or something like that. Nothing is one-to-one, you can't compare that, and just because in a social society by 30 you have to be married you have kids and then you're Mm -hmm. a senior associate in whatever role you're doing like you can't compare yourself to that because there's things there's always things that you can be grateful for where you are in your own point in time and other people may see you and be like oh i wish i had that but you don't know that like not everyone is going to tell you that every single day so you just gotta appreciate the things that you have in your own life and yeah I just feel like a lot of people or just families and society just puts a lot of pressure in those exact three things like finance or career marriage and kids but there's bigger things outside of just those three things it's not just that though it's like I hate it when people say, oh, you're 25, so you should be married. It's like, dude, really? Like, <laughs> Not you got to, <laughs> oh, man. And, and like, I've had so many people come to me and say, hey, man, you're, you're 30. What, what's happening? You're going to buy, you're going to buy another house or you, you're going to have a kid. It's like, you got to chill, right? Relax. It's like, <laughs> I'm here. Saying. I'm enjoying the podcast. That's all I need. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, what did Alex say? So we had a guest. Um, his name's Alex. And he said the same thing because he goes to, like, family gatherings and then just, like, you know, are you getting married? Are you going to have kids? And he's like, bro, worry about yourself, okay? <laughs> Which is really That's true. Thing, like, right? People yeah. are so invested in other people's lives. Yeah. And then they're Crazy. not thinking about what they're actually doing in their life. Yeah. 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 And this yeah. is where the pressure comes from, like, all those family gatherings. The aunties, yeah. The uncles. Yeah. It's like ticking, like, things off a checklist. Yeah. Like, next big milestone. Okay. You finished your uni degree, okay, tick, next thing, your career, find a job. Yeah. Once you get a job, okay, are you buying a house now? Yeah. Or like are you, are you, do you have a partner? Are you getting married? And I guess like the next part for us in our lives is like when are you having kids? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get that question all the time. Yeah, and there's also the, the sidetrack conversations. Like, wow, you've gotten fatter. Like, yeah. wow, you've gotten so skinny. It's like, okay. Yeah, you <laughs> need to eat more. You need to, find, you need to find a girl that can cook you food. Yeah. Like that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But that, the yeah. bad thing about the pressure is is just dialing back in terms of relationships or trying to find uh, a partner is, you know, when you're having the pressure from family, family sometimes will, Im- like, immerse you with an image of a girl or a guy and as you're trying to find a relationship you're basing that as a forefront of your relationship as well which is going to skew who you truly are and how you form your connections so i think it's really important to not focus on what the family or whatever 
uh, pressure or influence is trying to tell you this is the real relationship or the right relationship. I think also because of that pressure, whether like, oh, you need to find a girl or you need to find a guy or you need to find a partner or something, get married, it also, I don't know, I'm not speaking for everyone, but it may start to create where you settle for like this will do kind of thing mm. because you're like, yeah, I just want to get it done so that people don't ask me and you're like, oh, yeah, she's all right or he's all right. We get along. Let's just start dating or something like that and that's not how you want relationships because you haven't formed something where your values align or you guys actually connect properly in terms of individually you guys like and appreciate each other's personalities or characters or things like that so I think it opens up that opportunity where you just settle for this this is what it is yeah and I've seen so many relationships where They've been together for 10, 15 years and they end up breaking up because yeah. their values don't align. And it's like, yeah. dude, shouldn't you have spoken about these things at the start of the relationship? Because it doesn't have that deep foundation. Yeah. Mm. Putting those things up front, having that conversation first so that you're both saying, okay, cool, we're, we're going to be here at you know five or whatever years later down the track. Mm-hmm. But there's so many people that don't have those conversations. It's- yeah. yeah, I think they're worried about being vulnerable and sharing those things because what if they don't like them because of that little point or because or they believe in this and they don't, so they're scared of that rejection maybe. Mm-hmm. They don't want to put themselves out there. I yeah. think the other important thing though is not just setting it right from the get-go. It's not that once you get your partner or your girlfriend, your boyfriend, that's it, you've said what you wanted to say and that's going to stay the same across mm. the whole entire relationship. You're going to make sure you check in or reevaluate because that's the same thing like work has performance reviews or yeah. you know, those one-on-ones and those are those checkpoints that you need to go in and just ask them, like, hey, are you still feeling the same way or like, do you, what do you feel about this thing that happened and like over time you kind of keep readjusting and like adding different like data points I guess and reevaluate <laughs> your so analytics <laughs> to make sure that you know you guys are still on the same page right because things change maybe an event happened and they changed their mind they're like no I really don't see it that way anymore and that's when you have to recalibrate yeah but recalibrating together yeah making yeah. sure you're still on the same page together mm-hmm. whereas yeah. a lot of people yeah if they settle if they are just giving into that pressure just for the sake of ticking that off their list and not having like people nagging them about it, mm-hmm. they just might be looking for someone who ticks the bare minimum off their list. It's like, I can talk to them. Okay. Or yeah. we get along. All right. It's not too bad. Yeah. Or even like, Oh, they make my parents happy, but you're not happy. Mm. you're the one that's going to be living with that for the rest of your life. So you need to understand that too. I think on the other end of that, some people, a lot of my friends, they aren't dating and they might say they're focusing on their career, but they secretly want to, you know, they hopefully want to find someone soon, but they're they're just using careers as an excuse for not having a partner or having someone to introduce their family but they might be saying, yeah, because I'm focusing on my career right now. And so their family just backs off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with those expectations, there are a lot of pressures that people feel. And a problem that they might have is that 
they might settle for a relationship even when they don't want one because we're in a society where a lot of people value or they they kind of see success as a happy relationship or starting a family how do you feel about that do you have like friends who kind of have that experience yeah I would say I do have some friends that are just really happy just being on their own like they Mm. really don't they don't want a family like they don't see and they see finding a partner is to build a family but they don't want that and they're happy just doing their own thing because they get more opportunities to either travel to wherever they want to without considering you know having to worry about this and worry about that and just having like less responsibility like not saying it's a bad thing or anything but they're just really enjoying their life and they're happy doing them which is great like they you know they don't have any of those other pressures no we do have friends that are like that and i think it's good because they really do just are enjoying their time and where they are at this Mm. kind of point in time yeah i was gonna say there it's good that they're focusing on themselves you know what i mean like they're they're putting themselves as the forefront in their journey in their life and I think that's totally fine, you know what I mean? As long as you're happy with that, you're okay with that, you're content. And I think the biggest thing is as long as you're self-improving, working at yourself, that's the biggest thing. Putting themselves away from the social expectations and, you know, pressures from family and friends and it's just, I think it's great that they're doing that thing. I think it also helps them learn about themselves if they do it that way too. Like you, the, the biggest thing is also knowing yourself to find a partner so that you mm-hmm. understand what you want and they're just doing it in a different way without having relationship being the priority reason of why they're doing it. They're just really doing it for themselves. So I think it's a good thing that they're doing it. Yeah, and may, maybe they're just enjoying the open life. They can go and see whoever they want, have fun, <laughs> you know, so do whatever you need to do. Yeah. Sounds like you want that life right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have... A few friends that are in a similar situation where they're like, yeah, you know, I'm just enjoying life, I'm focusing on my career, or they're just happy being open. And I always support those kind of, like, friends where they're like, yeah, you know, I'm just going to see this chick here. And so I'm like, yeah, no, let's go do it, man. <laughs> I'm like their little side, it's like cheering team. So every time they're like, oh, should I see this chick? I'm like, yeah, man, go for it. Go, <laughs> do it. Enjoy it. Well, you can, you know what I mean? Life's short. You should yeah. enjoy it. Everyone prefers to do things very differently and learn mm. learn about life in different ways. And, you know, if that's helping them or if that's what they enjoy, then, you know, you do you. Yeah. I always thought that I'll be married by, like, 26. When I was, like, a teenager, that's the timeline that I set for myself, mm. which is all scrapped now. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, 26, be married, and then have kids by 28. Mm. Did you have any pressures yourself like before you got married or before you found Raymond? Did you have any pressures from your family or friends? Yeah, definitely. I think it was something that was always in the back of my mind, but throughout schooling it wasn't a priority because for Asian families, right, especially for my family, education was first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, don't find a boyfriend until after uni. <laughs> And then after uni, like, where's your boyfriend? Yeah, straight away after uni. It's like, but I didn't meet anyone. <laughs> no, Raymond and I met during uni, actually. Yeah. But there was a lot of pressure before that. Just jokes here and there at family gatherings. Like, oh, did you meet anybody? Do you have a boyfriend? Just as a joke, but not really. 
Like, you know they're being serious, but they're just like, <laughs> And they're like, oh, yeah, as Sam said before, like shaping who your partner will be, like what kind of traits they'll have or what kind of job they'll, they'll be working in. Mm. And I didn't really follow any of that. But it was just kind of like in the back of my mind because I thought about it after they asked, you know, every time you, you meet someone new, you're like, oh, could this be a potential? <laughs> yeah, I can. Not like taking it super seriously, <laughs> but it's kind of like not judging people, but like looking out there and seeing. Yeah, just having a think about it. Yeah, having a yeah. think about it, about like whoever you meet, just like could they be? But <laughs> <laughs> I was just focused on my studies, so I didn't really think about that too much. Yeah, but when I met Raymond, because it was quite young, I was like nineteen. It wasn't really expected; like it was kind of a shock to me and to everybody else. Mm-hmm. But after all dating for a few years, it was more of the pressure to get married. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we were dating for quite a while. It was probably around like seven, eight years until we became engaged. And I think it was more of the pressure for Raymond. Wow. And maybe I felt some of that as well because maybe I was, like, kind of pushing him to. <laughs> <laughs> so you were pressuring hey, him. <laughs> no, but I, I was, I just felt ready, not just the pressure yeah. and all that, but I just felt like it's been a while. Like, I know you by now. Well, I know you enough and I, I can trust that our relationship's going to be, like, for the long run. Mm-hmm. And. I think he felt a lot of that pressure as a guy and because I wanted to be proposed to. <laughs> but um, maybe, yeah, he just wasn't ready at that point at the same time that I was. And so he had to sort himself out and think about like that on his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so after that, it was everyone was happy, I guess, because that was the next milestone, like tick, engaged. Yeah. <laughs> and then – of course, I like COVID and all that. So our wedding happened a bit later. But now it's a lot of that pressure to have kids. Yeah. And because the times are so different now, but our parents are living in the age of, you know, the old times. So they're, they're just comparing to people who live in Vietnam. <laughs> and they're like, but we had kids when we were so young. And in Vietnam, they have kids straight away. You have to have 10 kids, big family. Yeah. Yeah, well, at least one. They just want yeah. grandkids. You know, their ultimate aim for us to get married is for grandkids. Yeah, it is. It really is. Our parents have a plan. Well, our mums yeah. <laughs> have a plan for us to have kids. We're not following that plan, but who knows? <laughs> uh, so next year, next lunar new year is the year of the dragon. Um, and you know like dragons with like prosperity and luck and mm -hmm. all that well their plan is for us to have a child during that year (laughs) (laughs) maybe next year when we check in there's a little big dragon forming well we're not following that plan (laughs) (laughs) does it matter which year they're born in (laughs) to us because we're kind of in between the cultures but for them it's like that's the ideal year. Yeah. Mm. I think it's also understanding the bigger picture, right, rather than what year and when you're going to have the kids and stuff. It's also being able to enjoy yourself as a couple yeah. or, you know, to whenever you're comfortable to start a family but just enjoy yourself first and all that but also financially. Mm. Having a kid mm. is 
expensive. Like you don't want to have a kid and not be able to afford that, right? And bring them up. Like you don't want to be what you see other Asian families back in the days where they're working from early morning to late night and you're not even there at home Mm. with your kids too because that's what I was like. Yeah, my same. dad was just never there. I was just like, okay, he's either driving a taxi or he's fixing cars or he's somewhere over here doing another job or he's at the shop, you know, serving. Yeah, people. they had to do that to survive. Yeah. Whereas we don't have to. Yeah. yeah. So it's just understanding that and like definitely really grateful for them to work so hard so that we have a better living. But it's understanding that and the mental health that comes with that. Like mm. you don't want to be sick or tired, like too tired to play with your kids. Like, for me, I think quality time is something that I treasure, like with anything, yes. like friends, family, and like with Sam and all that. And it will be exactly the same if we were to have kids. I want quality time. I don't just want to be like, hi, and then just be like, I'm going to work and bye. Like you do your own thing. I'm just going to go to work now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's not the life that I want to bring up if we had kids and for them to think that that's what family time is. Like that's definitely not what I want to have. So it's understanding that rather than just being like, okay, we're married, we need to have kids. Yeah, I think um, very, very similar with my family, although my parents, they didn't have multiple jobs. They had one like full-time job, but you can definitely see the sacrifices that they made just to give us that living. And it's crazy how that type of generation at that time was all about working to provide and surviving. And sometimes they're just so ingrained in that generation that they don't realise time has changed Uh so that they're like trying to enforce or just trying to pressure you to do the same things. But it's just like, hey, life is just so different now. You know what I mean? Like it used to be like, well, females just stay home, look after, cook food. Mm. But it's not like that anymore, you know what I mean? Like females can be the main source of providing income as well. Mm-hmm. You know, they're all equal. They can do the same thing. So there's no, you know, everything's so different now. What kind of pressures are you experiencing right now in terms of relationships? Thankfully, our family, well, my family and his family, they don't, they're not the type of pressures. I think from my point of view, my family were not, again, not that close type where it's like, hey, how are you doing? Like, how are things? And like talking about deep conversations. So they, I'm sure they're probably questioning and like gossiping and questioning each other in the back, but they (laughs) won't ever come to you and be like, hey, when are you going to do this or do that? So I don't have that kind of pressure. And I think your family's just very, you know, just happy to let you do your thing. Yeah, my family's pretty, they're pretty chill, uh, but they are transparent. So they would ask, hey, what's happening? And I just tell them like, yeah, look, we're just at the moment probably not. Maybe later down the track, I don't know. Because, you know, I feel like family is not really the pressure. I feel like friends is more of the pressure. Mm. I get a lot of people go, hey, man, you know, you've been married for a while now. What's going on? You know. Because they also recently had kids themselves. Well, not, not, just, not just, you know, the ones that got kids, but the ones that are just, you know, on the sideline, hanging out. They all ask them that same question. It's like, oh, now that you've been married, you're going to do the deed? Where, where's the kid I'm like to the team <laughs> yeah yeah and like this is a combination of different cultures too like you know I've had my ex-colleagues who are like older white generation like Aussie generation they're like hey mate you know what, what's going on with with the kids hey you know 
you know? <laughs> so, yeah, and, yeah, they do the eyebrows and everything or they do the little nudge thing. I'm like, mate, you got to relax, mm-hmm. mate. you got to relax. And, yeah, it's just, I don't know, I just don't have that pressure from family, which is great. And I think my, my family is really, really understanding when it comes to that. But I'll, they always tell me, hey, just go at your own pace. Like, don't worry about everyone else, which is really good. Yeah, I think that's really good encouragement from them just to let you have your own space, but they also check in on you as well. Yeah. And friends, when they ask that kind of stuff, it's out of curiosity. It's just because they want to know what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> and because yeah. sometimes we don't just bring up those conversations. If you're not having kids, you're not going to say, well, I'm not having kids because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, guys. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so they just want to know what's happening, like what's going on. And it kind of is that prompt to have that deeper conversation about why or about like what you're feeling, what's going on in your life. Have you had any of similar questions from your friends? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> one, of the, one of the moments that I had this year was like after our honeymoon, we came back and then I decided not to go back to teaching this year. And, first and I was like, I, I told one of my friends, so I'm taking a leave of absence for this whole year. <laughs> and her comment, her response was, you know, the, the emoji, the, the yeah. side looking one, <laughs> like, are you pregnant? <laughs> <laughs> it's always the first question, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> there are other reasons, but that is the thought after someone gets married. Yeah. So what's one piece of advice for people who are currently looking for a partner or they're waiting for someone and they're feeling pressure from family or friends? Looking for someone, I I think I briefly said this earlier on, but you've just got to put yourself out there. Like I said, plenty of fish in the sea. You just got to go swimming. You got to find them. uh, And you got to, yeah, just put yourself out there to be uncomfortable, to be vulnerable, to really just learn yourself, but ultimately network Mm. you'll find someone you'll connect with someone that also falls on to the pressure as well so if you're getting pressure from family you've just really got to focus on yourself keep yourself as the forefront of the mind and really just got to ignore everyone else tell everyone else to piss off because it's (laughs) your life you know what i mean you're living your own life you got to set your own journey your own direction because if you're going to be basing it on someone else's mate you ain't gonna be happy so and you ain't gonna find the right person so yeah well i think it's like not just going straight to someone's face and like piss off but it's like <laughs> if it's someone that's actually important to you like family like your mom your dad or something like that it's just explaining clearly communicating like you know this is not the right time or i'm not feeling ready we're not feeling ready financially we're not ready it's just making them understand but if there's someone that's just like you know a friend that you know that's like just asking for the sake of asking then don't worry about them yeah <laughs> and then i think in terms of looking for a partner one is really to understand yourself though understand what you want understand who you are and you know really just doing your doing you like you do you and someone will come along but again going back to what Sam was saying networking because this is something that I did in terms of career I never used to network and and for the longest time I've just been stuck in the same place where I only know myself and I don't know other people other designers and things like that 
And it's kind of the same thing for looking for a partner. Like if you don't go out there, you're never going to give yourself that opportunity to meet someone else because you're just in your own bubble. Mm-hmm. And if you don't go out of that bubble, you're not going to find anything else. So yeah. you're kind of closing off the opportunity for yourself to meet other people if you don't go out there. Yeah. yeah. Can I just add something? Um, when it comes to just looking for a partner, I think if you're already someone that's already putting yourself out there, networking, doing all these activities and whatnot, and you still can't find someone, the biggest thing is you've got to self-reflect because if you can't find something or someone, then maybe it's you mm-hmm. and it's okay, right? It's okay. And I think you've got to, re- you've got to self-reflect, understand where you are right now. What are the things that you're doing? What's your personality like? Work on yourself. I think if you can work on yourself, then you can ultimately get to that next point. And if you can't work on yourself, then you're going to be stuck in that same cycle. It's like that saying where if you're pointing fingers at someone else, right, mm. there's like three fingers pointing back at you. Yeah. Sometimes that is the thing where yeah. if you can't find anybody, the world is your mirror. What does that show about you? Yeah. And both of you touched on that in your in your piece of advice. But I think at the same time, if you're thinking about, is it me? Like, don't beat yourself up for it. Don't be like, oh, I'm just not good enough here or I'm just not at this level, blah, blah, blah. It's actually critiquing yourself in a way. It's like, is there something that I can do better? It's not beating yourself up for it. Yeah, I'm glad you clarified that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for this conversation. Where can our listeners find you? So where you can find us on like many of the podcasting platforms. So if you just uh, search Ask the Duo podcast, you'll find us on all the platforms like Spotify, YouTube, and Apple, Google Podcasts. But yeah, you can just search that. All the handles are exactly the same. We also have social media. So Instagram, TikTok, YouTube all use the same handle as well. Why are you guys everywhere? (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for coming on it is an honor to have you on the podcast chatting about what you guys love to talk about relationships Mm -hmm. our favorite (laughs) no thank you so much for having yeah thank you Yeah. We don't want to get to the end and this is our video with no voice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right, I'm just going to insert my voice it. and I'm just going to do, like, you know, a dubbed version. Yeah. <laughs> that would be so funny. <laughs> You're going to do Sam's voice as well. <laughs> that made no sense. But... <laughs> yes. It would mean so much to me if you were to follow the podcast on Spotify and give it a five-star rating. To do this, search the Slowdown Time podcast on the Spotify app and it should be right under the description. Thank you so much. <laughs>